What's up, guys? It is Richie here, bringing you season two, episode four. Uh, oh, episode four of the F1 podcast. Um, I'm your host, uh, Richie, with my two best pals, Andrew and Erica. Hey, guys, how's it going? What up, yo? It's going good, baby. What to do, uh, baby? What to do, baby? <laughs> you could tell we are so excited to regroup because there was no race this weekend, but there is still a lot to talk about. I didn't know what to do um, with my life for two days there. Who knew Sundays could feel so meaningless? Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, like, I, I didn't, I didn't set my alarm. I, I just woke up and I was like, wait, uh, uh, am I supposed to watch a race? I like, I, I know, I think next week for Australia, the race is like one a.m. I, I believe. Yeah, so time? you don't really have to wake up. You can just stay up and try to make it through. Just come uh, home. Yeah, I have like a work function on Friday that goes to five, and like I'm gonna have to powerhouse it so that I can stay up till was it two a.m. to watch the quality. Yes, that'll be interesting. You just know what? Pound I some espressos after dinner and just be like mm, coffee after coffee, please. Yeah. And thank you. Just keep it coming. I, like I'm not fifty twos. I'm not there to make you espresso martinis, so I'm sorry. But anyways, so let's get back to it. Uh, for those that are watching us on YouTube or listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure you hit those subscribe and like buttons. We really appreciate uh, all the support that we've been getting and the questions in the YouTube function and also Instagram at f1.podcast. So as already stated, we had a week off of no race this week. and um, But uh, some big news in the F1 season. Um, I think it's no secret now. We, boys and girls, we are going back to Las Vegas. Las Vegas? Vegas? What the hell are we doing in Vegas? Since 1982, where they raced in the Caesars Palace parking lot, uh, F1 announced this last week that in the 2023 season, Las Vegas will host the third U.S. race in the calendar season. Obviously, first one is in Austin, second one would be in Miami, and then the third one is going to be in Las Vegas. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what you guys think. Uh, you know, obviously, it's pretty exciting. I, I mean, we kind of talked about it. Who, what, what kind of track is going to be gone? What, what will be taken off the, the circuit? But, um, yeah, it's quite exciting. I mean, Las Vegas is notorious for being the party city, and everybody goes to Vegas. Uh, I mean, you've seen all the sports teams now going there. You know, you have the, the Knights uh, there as well. And, obviously, I think it's the Las Vegas uh, – Raiders as well so you know the city's excited just to host any sporting event doesn't matter what and uh they'll it's you know it's gonna be a party if they got what a hundred thousand uh, I read a statistic a hundred thousand hotel rooms in the area or something like Ooh. crazy like that not enough uh, yeah I was gonna say it's gotta be more than that um <laughs> uh, and uh yeah so I think uh, they're saying November 2023 um you know I've looked at we've all seen what the track is could be there's just actually first time in a while that they're going to be racing on Saturday and it's going to be Saturday night at 10 PM. And I don't know if you guys remember university, do you remember when we had 7 PM exams and you try to study throughout the day and it's just like, what am I going to do around three or four o'clock? Cause it's like, you're like, might as well get this over and done with. I, I, I wonder what the drivers are going to think, but they're also going to be partying all weekend. So I'm going to open up to you guys. What do you think? Who's I think excited? the drivers are going to have a heck of a time. Uh, I mean, think about it. So I know it's a night race and it's going to be pretty awesome going through the streets there, but Las Vegas is a city that's open all the time. And I think for a lot of these guys, you race on a Sunday, you might party that night, but 
if you get to party the Saturday night after you're done driving and the Sunday before you take off to the next race or destination, I, th- I think you're going to have a pretty good time. Like it's going to be a blast and it's definitely the place to do it. Did Caesar live here? Um, no. The question really is how much money are they spending at the roulette table on Saturday night after? Do they bet their winnings for that weekend? Do you think I'm black or red? Oh my well, gosh. Well, I think it was Mick Schumacher that said that like, they're going to, they're going to have to go to work on Saturday if they lose all their money the night before. <laughs> no, it's going to be, I can't wait to see like those, hel- like those helmet cams you see now, like the inside the visor cams. Imagine that ripping down the strip at like 300 KPH. That's going to be a blast. And like, um, I have a feeling they'll probably do like the podium at the Bellagio fountains and have that going oh my um, gosh, in the please. background. So it'll be a sick race. It's a great excuse to go to Vegas. I've never been. I think I will. I haven't been either. Pod goes to Vegas. You know, as someone who's been to Vegas a couple of times, I guess I'm going to have to take you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Need someone to show us the ropes, Richie. Or if a sponsor would like to take us, that is also a great opportunity too. It will be interesting to see like a night race though, especially in the heat. Um, I, I think, I don't know what, I forget what the weather is like in November, but um, I, I wonder if my only concern is maybe the lights of all the casinos in the strip itself. And I wonder, cause you know, we've always talked about distractions of like the drivers and, and especially night races. I don't know if that's going to maybe play a factor in this or, cause I know, uh, I remember it was a Carlos Sainz who had an issue with the helicopter flying too low, yeah. but all these small things that could happen, especially, well, especially Vegas too. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up. I'm kind of curious about that because I know in some other sports or even in just like towns that do a lot of festivals and entertainment and stuff, if you are a business or like a residence within a certain area, they'll have a, like a set of rules you have to abide by, by like when are when you're allowed to have windows open, like for your blinds to have lighting cascading onto the street or not. So I'm curious if there's going to be some kind of rule around that because there's a lot of stuff happening especially going down that strip and i know that they're going to be ripping down it super fast and it's really not going to be that long in the grand scheme of things but there's there's so many things that can happen and in a place like vegas where there's been a lot of interesting things happen over the last few years just between like people doing crazy stuff and like attempted crimes and things like that i think they will have to try to keep a tight lock on the city ahead of time so that something doesn't spiral out of control and ruin what will be a super fun race. Yeah. And I think uh, just to jump in really quickly, I think Andrew, you were about to speak. So my bad, um, you know, the governor seemed pretty adamant for this, this uh, to go forward. And as well as like, you know, they're partnering up with like MGM resorts, the win uh, Caesars entertainment uh, you know, the Las Vegas convention and visitors authority. Uh it seems like it's all, all gung ho. And, you know, I think they want this event to succeed. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, with their success in previous events uh, down there, uh, it'd be, it'd be crazy to see. Well, yeah, it will be curious to see how this goes, but uh, sorry. Uh, but I also wanted to add, so how the track is laid out as we kind of talk about it, how you're going to go through um, the strip um, it's 14 turn track uh, will run for 3.8 miles about 6.12 kilometers, 6.12 kilometers, uh, with top speeds ex- expected to hit around 342 kilometers per hour. So can you imagine just going by the Bellagio, Caesars Palace, just whipping that? Whew. 
there. Just go ahead, Andrew. Sorry about that. Or I actually think it could be like one of the quickest races of the year. I think it could be done well within 70 to 80 minutes because if they're going to be going that top speed the entire time or for the majority of the time, right? I've seen like the proposed layout of the track, quite a lot of straights, not a lot of like um, technical turns, except at the start. There's a couple, but... Um, I think there's also a chicane at the end of the straight. Right, but I think they'll be able to go through that chicane pretty quick because mm-hmm. um, it's quite tight. Uh, nevertheless, I just think it's going to be quite, it's definitely, it's one of those, like, I guess, marquee races in a sense where like, you know, in Abu Dhabi, the court, the track is more sort of like a showcase of the cars, like to showcase the power of the cars. This is what Vegas is going to be about. It's just going to be a showcase of how these cars can be powerful. And it's going to be another fast street circuit, uh, too. So I'm, I'm excited for it. The question is what? track do they what what race do they substitute it with unless stefano's gonna go to a 24 um track race or 24 race season next season i almost wonder if it's just like it's okay to just take out the russian gp going forward and replace it with vegas you still got a 23 um, week schedule and i can see them racing i feel like in austin and then um, Vegas or Vegas and then Austin. So keeping the North American trip more of the same with going twice the U S and then once in Mexico, that'd be an epic triple header too. So a couple, couple of rumors I've seen is, uh, so that that would, I think now make it five races within the North America, South America hemisphere. Um, cause it would be Brazil, Mexico, and then three. Six. Oh, six. Sorry. My apologies. Yeah, Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh God. I'm a terrible Canadian. Uh, which we're going to be there. And you're so going. <laughs> if, if you want, if you want to meet the podcast, send us a DM. Uh, we like beer. So uh, let us know anyways. Um, and not only that, I think uh, they were suggesting that they were going to get spa off the, the, tr- uh, the spa off the menu. Sorry, yeah. not the menu. Stefano, don't you effing dare do that. I will literally that. personally write you a letter telling I you will- to walk off a short pier because you can't take away one of the most iconic tracks in all of F1. Yes, it rains all the time there. I get it. But it's one of the most it's one of the most iconic tracks and everybody loves driving it. That entire roster of F1 drivers love driving that track. So, don't be an idiot and don't take if that they, off. If they cut Spa, I will come at you with the rage of all the previous generations of farmers in my family. Like we're talking like hundreds of pitchforks and torches at the ready here and just like uh, like there are garbage tracks on the season you don't replace it with you don't replace vegas with spa you take some other (laughs) bad track i.e sochi who's not it's not really that good (laughs) like sochi's (laughs) a super boring track i and like politics of everything aside Mm -hmm. that's that's my pick of something to take away as well and I mean, I, I, yeah, I know where the F1 is really looking forward to ways to kind of like monetize the sport a little more, kind of grow it in that regard with international presence and stuff. And that's part of why they're turning their attention to these other countries. But like, like we've said, I mean, I just don't think spa is one of the tracks that you should take away. It should be something, I mean, I personally, like you guys know me, I love to travel to France and I think France is a great place to go. I hate the track there. I think it's one it's of the most- really boring. 
it's also so frustrating to look at with those blue lines painted everywhere. <laughs> it's an optical illusion that makes me feel like, you know, in a movie when someone's experiencing vertigo and you get the like black and white swirly going around them when it shows them kind of falling. Like that's how I feel when I look at the track for the French GP. Well, it's also <laughs> that combined with the fact that it has like a different, like has so many different track layouts and track, like, you know, adjustments that you can make within that it, it it really is a very confusing track to look at at times. Exactly. Driving. Cause I remember my I dad and I were watching it last year and my dad was watching it for the first time. He goes like, where the hell are we? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, dad, Paul Ricard. I, this is going to sound, this is going to sound really bad, but I was playing F1 last night and when, cause I was playing the career mode and when it got to the French Grand Prix, I immediately skipped it. I was like, <laughs> do not want to deal with this race track. I'm sorry. I know this is Renault's technically home race or whatever i'm sorry to all the rental fans my apologies but it's a very boring track i'm so sorry i have a bit of a um, hot take for you oh let's yeah. hear it why don't they replace vegas or why don't they take vegas and replace it with monaco yeah you know what like yeah especially monaco I, has become a track where you there's literally no racing no it is you qualify on saturday then it's a showcase of the cars on sunday there's literally no overtaking positions, only in the pit stop. I get it. It's okay. I, I know it, I, I'm harboring since it, it's iconic because it's like literally the first race that ever happened. <laughs> you know, it was one of the original tracks of F1 is, is Monaco, but the cars are just way too big for yeah. this track now to really make it an enjoyable race to watch. It, it's cool to watch them go through the principality and, um, you know, you know, go through the swimming pool, chicane, go underneath the casino. But man, it's a boring race on Sunday. I tell you that much. What's up, guys? X Reacher here, taking a quick break from the podcast to remind you to follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So make sure to hit that subscribe button and follow us on social media. We really appreciate all the support you guys have been giving us. Uh, throughout the season and last season. So um, we're going to get right back into the pod, but this is just a quick social media push. Thanks so much. Get back right into it. Like there is a lot of history to go with Monaco and, you know, we've had, we've seen some great battles there, you know, wh whether it was Alan Prost, Schumacher, Louder, or even the current see, you know, Daniel Ricciardo, we were literally just watching drive to survive with my dad the other day, uh, yesterday and rewatching Daniel Ricciardo's win. I think it was in 2018. Um, yeah, there's some good racing there, but it's obviously, yeah, it's, if you get pole position, you're most likely going to win the race as long as you get, don't get screwed in the pits or do a stupid crash. Um, but yeah, go ahead, Erica. Sorry about that. Well, but as much as it's a historic, you know, track, I do think it's an interesting point adding Vegas. If you think about what Monaco is. So as much as it's kind of like this fancy town and everything, it's also known as a gambling hub like Vegas. And I think the big thing for Monaco these days, aside from the history, is the spectacle of it. Mm -hmm. And where else are you going to get an incredible spectacle? You're going to get it in Las Vegas. So I'm kind of curious if... I think it's um, a bigger spectacle in Vegas than it is in Monaco, in my opinion, because of the affordability yeah. to go. Yeah. Overall. And well, there's that too. But I mean, just like um, when you think about it between like the yachting and all the other stuff that happens in Monaco, I mean, like Vegas is a place people are known to go and just ball out. Right. And like do everything they can to just kind of flaunt what they got. So um, I'm kind of curious if they keep both on the calendar next year and spot is the thing to go. Like, will people be kind of bored 
of that because it's going to be like too similar a concept between too many tracks and you know all that stuff going on um or maybe you know a ton of people are going to choose to go to vegas instead of you know another race somewhere else and that'll kind of be where f1 looks to shift their attention but i don't know that would be like the fifth street circuit on the map i think and that's quite a bit when it's a it's a lot yeah when about a quarter or about a fifth to a quarter of your tracks are street circuits i think it's just that'll get tough the one thing that i'm excited about for vegas even though it's the street circuit i think they said it's like 12 to 15 meters wide so there's a Mm. lot of opportunity for people to still overtake and pass which we don't get at a lot of the other street circuits like and like I agree because that's like Monaco, right? You can't pass a Monaco. I love, for me, one of my favorite street circuits is Azerbaijan. Yeah, Baku is so fun to watch. This yeah. past, I mean, we had a whole bunch of drama go on this past year too that made it super entertaining. But I think just from a spectator standpoint as well, it's so much more entertaining to watch from like the backdrop and the background to the ability to actually race. Just it's so much more fun to watch than Monaco. 100% agree. We're not on this pod to like dump on Monaco though. So. No, like I think Monaco is an incredible race, obviously. But I'm thinking like if you were to replace one, I think Monaco has had its time. Yeah. And also like the car, because the cars are getting bigger, it, it, it's, it, it just defeats the purpose. Um, you know, especially like such a small track like that. And like, it's literally, it's, it's a race of inches. Cause we mm-hmm. saw what happened with Charles Leclerc. Um, well, not only that, I think it was Max Verstappen, which was like, he was literally this close to hitting the, the, the fence. Um, I forget what turn that was. Um, the next segment is fan questions. And before I kind of start, um, we got a lot of questions in this week. So we just want to thank everybody, um, whether it was through YouTube or Instagram, those are the best ways to kind of just submit us questions. Uh, if you're posting on any of the posts or even on the YouTube pages, so that is great. So um, the first one I just wanted to open up, um, this one's from Fraser Damoff. Uh, thank you, Fraser, for the question. Um, are you guys open to hosting a listener league F1 fantasy league where we can play F1 fantasy with you guys? Heck yes. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, Fraser, I think that is unanimous, uh, decision. We all I support that. Cannot wait to get dummied by our fans. Yeah, in, in the fantasy league <laughs> my credibility is really going to take a hit at the end of the season once people Honestly, see how i'm doing <laughs> make me try harder you lose next next thing you know they're going to be the ones running the pod <laughs> i know right it's going to be like oh next thing you know and erica hollingsworth has been replaced by a longtime listener <laughs> <laughs> never oh great uh yeah, so we know we, we love our fans and we love uh, any competition we lo- uh, love. And I, yeah, I think definitely, especially with how easy grid rival was to kind of set up with us three, we can definitely throw it at into anybody that's interested. So yeah, make sure you put in the comment section below um, what you want to do um, or if you want to be part of uh, the fantasy, I think it would be for next year. Um, so this one's going to be fun. And t- uh, this is again from Frazier in 10 years, who do you think is going to have the most wins and why George Russell, Lando Norris, or Pierre Gasly? Uh, so to start Pierre Gasly's at one. So, um, 
I think I'm, I'm going to go on a limb here and I'm going to say Lando. Um, I think he is going to be, he's been, he's showing some consistency um, at last season. And obviously it's not the greatest of starts this, this year for McLaren, but I think he's does have some promise and he'll be able to, you know, I think pull it together. Um, but I, I think it will still be, regardless, it will be close with Russell and, Look, if 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 Checo ends up retiring and like, does Pierre Gasly go back and take that seat at Red Bull, or would he go somewhere else? So, I, I mean, for me, I, I think Lando would probably be the most realistic, but I could see George Russell winning, getting a couple of podiums, and maybe winning a race or two this year, or, or about maybe five in the next couple of years. But I don't know. That's kind of how I'm feeling this on on this one. Like, didn't. Was it Helmet or was it Gazer that said that if he wasn't in the Red Bull seat within the next two years, that he was gonna go looks like get off the Red Bull program and go somewhere else? I think that's been coming from both sides a little bit. Like I think Gasly's hinted at that that he would obviously want his shot on like a competitive top tier team. At least they're aligned in something. <laughs> <laughs> but then I think. I don't, I don't know who else at Red Bull it was, but I feel like someone did an interview with Horner at one point and he kind of made it clear that, you know, maybe it wasn't really in the cards, uh, you know, like unless he really kind of stepped up and like wowed the team at this point that in the next few years, it would be someone else that that seat's going to and not Gasly. Which yeah, like, like crummy Checo, to put all your Checo eggs in that basket. Some, yeah, Checo supports him so well though, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he supports Max and that team so well in the sense that, you know, in the event that Max doesn't pull through in a race, generally Checo pulls back for the points. Um, case in point, Azerbaijan last year when Checo won with Max popping the tire um, late on. Damn you, Pirelli. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I'll let Erica go last because it's her boys on the call there uh, being questionary. So <clears throat> I don't know. Right now, when you take a look at it, I don't think – I think Gasly is going to be – the third will have the least amount of wins among the three. I just think like yeah. he's had his time to be at a big team. He didn't perform well. He performs, he's performing well at AlphaTauri, which is fine. But AlphaTauri is not a constructor that wins titles. No. Mercedes does. <clears throat> and eventually McLaren should win titles as well, just based on um and just based on pedigree and the fact that they've done it before, I think Zach Brown's probably in the right direction. Um, but aside from that, I think George Russell is going to have the most wins because I think Mercedes is more of a consistent car. Again, this is short-term looking, but their pedigree over the past eight years is just of ex- says, why, why wouldn't it be George? You know I mean? He took a car that was not dry, like very, I, like not competitive in Jeddah. Like you can tell with regards to Hamilton, it wasn't competitive. Put that sucker in sixth place. That's a sign of a really good driver, a really good racer. So I think um, George will have the capabilities to, I think, win more drives or more, more, I guess, more races, but it's gonna be very close between the two. I think Lando's a very good driver in his own right and um, had a chance of winning Russia, kind of choked it away, but that was a little bit of inexperience. I think that played a part of that. He's human. We all are human. We learn from our mistakes, learn from our decisions, and I think he'll it'll, it'll, that that race made him stronger down the road. Anyway, so I'm gonna say George, but by a little bit. Is it my turn now? <laughs> I 
indeed. Go ahead, Erica. Yeah. Cool. So I'm not going to waste too, too much time because I very much agree on the thoughts on Gasly. I would put him third in this running um, same, for same reasons, you know, has had a shot. Just don't know if he's won the caliber of driver to the same extent as these other two are and some of the other players that we've got on the grid here. Um, but also, you know, looking at George, who, you know, also in a not very good car last year was Mr. Saturday. He was Mr. Qualifying guy and still managed to, you know, pull out a podium at Spa, which was like pretty wild. I mean, granted, yes, most of the race, race in quotation marks was under a safety car, (laughs) but to be able to consistently perform to the point where you're recognized as Mr. Saturday goes a long way. But with that said, I'm still going to pick Lando because McLaren has put a lot of time and effort into his development as a driver. And as we've seen throughout the course of formula one, when it comes to the dominant constructor, their cycles. And as much as McLaren is not looking to be in peak form this season, I think, you know, we're starting to see Mercedes maybe drop off a little bit and maybe it's time for someone new to come out on top. And I'm hoping that that's McLaren because similar to last week, like we know, like, you were saying about Mercedes, Andrew, like we know this is not a great car and Lando still managed to come P7, which I think is amazing because I mean, it's just not been a good ride the last couple of weeks. Uh, qualifying has been extremely difficult as well. So just to see the kind of skill that he's showing in the car as well and to know that he's got the buy-in from a team who's working and did make, I would say, pretty significant improvement in the car week over week just between the first two races I think it's showing that the team is moving in a very good direction and that the new regulations and everything put into the car this year are setting them up for success in the long term when we've got like this set of rules kind of coming into play. So like I still think he has a lot of maturing to do because obviously Russia last year kind of showed that little bit of like hubris on his part to oh I'm the young guy who's in first for the first time ever clearly I know better than the people trying to talk about changing tires for potential rain right now. But, you know, I'm extremely hopeful that, you know, we're going to see a little bit of a shakeup here and that it'll be McLaren topping Mercedes and that in the span of his career, he's the one that's going to have more wins uh, over Russell and Gasly. And I think having Zach Brown at the helm too, you know, I I just wanted to start to interrupt here, but we, I just rewatched uh, season one of Drive to Survive with my dad and the, the highlight episode of just showing like obviously when McLaren was going through some difficult times in 2018 and, you know, Zach Brown stepped up and says like, you know what, you know, I'm going to be this guy. I'm going to try to lead this team through thick and thin. It's just like the bucks, quote unquote, the buck stops with me. Um, you know, he obviously has confidence in these two drivers and, um, uh, it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see how the next couple of years go, especially for Lando. So I just wanted yeah, to add that in. I think that was a good segment to add into your, your piece too there, Erica. 100% agree. I think he's super invested in all sides of the team. Uh, so I, I think he's going to, and like you mentioned, like, even if you think about what the team was looking like in 2018 versus now it's been steady and like very noticeable progress over the last few years. And I think that momentum is set to continue. So Mm-hmm. Very hopeful. Also, I mean, I know people are like, but you're, we know you're a diehard McLaren fan. Yeah, I'm a diehard McLaren fan. Who cares? But like, <laughs> that's just my two cents. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to get the next question up. My apologies. Uh, I thought I had it on my sheet, but I wow. don't. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
So here we go. This one is from our colleague, uh, Brett from Toronto. Um, shout out Brett. Uh, he's also a Ferrari fan. So yo, what up? Um, anyways, what do you think of Audi trying to get into the F1 game and manufacture McLaren's power unit? And why wouldn't McLaren want to take their own PU power unit? Sorry. Um, yeah, I guess I'll open that up. I think it's just interesting. I think a lot of, you know, other car companies are, 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 they see the excitement going on in F1. They're like, we want to be a part of this. And yeah. it's, you know, it's a trial. It would probably be like a trial by error. That, that's, that's how I see this. Um, and actually, this is going to sound stupid. Who's McLaren's engine right now? Mercedes. Mercedes, isn't it? Yeah, Mercedes. Huh. <laughs> so, like, here's my two cents on this: is that <clears throat> I don't, I don't know if um, well, McLaren's always been one to use other PU engines. Maybe it's just not built in their model. You know what I mean? Like, they they do manufacture their own engines for their cars, but I think they do use a third party service as well. I think Ricardo is like a was they partner with some international company Ricardo, I think, to manufacture the engines for their um car for their for their sports cars, but maybe it's just not built into their overall team model to uh you know manufacture the PU unit. You know, Red Bull is trying to do this now. Um, but look how long they've been in the game for too, right? I know McLaren's been around for years as well, but maybe it's just it it doesn't make sense for them financially um to operate with trying to you know build a whole PU team and plus there could be a better product out there like mercedes is you know has been the best of the best the creme de la creme as they would say for like the past decade in terms of the hybrid era and manufacturing the pu engine so maybe it was maybe it's best just to utilize you know an engine from another constructor to then um, you know, build your model around that because you can control costs that way. So this is going to sound really stupid, but like, you know, when Red Bull ended their contract with Renault, wasn't that kind of one of the defining moments why Ricardo switched over to Renault is like, he didn't trust the Honda power unit. And that then was, he's... Well, at the time, the Honda was part. in the McLaren and the McLaren sucked. Yeah. So, so that's another key thing. Plus, also, Ricardo was going to not be the number one driver anymore. Max yeah. is coming up. So it's kind of more of a transition period. I think it's still a tough decision he's made. But nevertheless, I, th- I think, in my opinion, it is a, um, I want to say it's based on like business model in going, going for it because it is quite a significant investment. And if you're really just trying to focus on manufacturing a good car to win, maybe in your model, it's best to have like the best PU unit out there. And if they can't make that, then. No, say Levy. Yeah, I don't know what McLaren's budget is like versus some of the other teams, but I have to imagine that's similar to what you said. They're putting the money elsewhere. Also, like it would be a very large undertaking. Like I have to imagine it's new facilities, like new, you know, hi- like hiring teams and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I'm kind of curious about Audi entering. Um, I don't know too much about them do they have much of a motorsports presence or anything like that where they can kind of point to you know like IndyCar or anything and say like hey we've got some experience here Le- um, let's leverage that or they have a Formula E team okay 
unless I came to an end, unless they, they recently had a Formula E team, but I think they left. But they did have experience, I would say. Interesting. So again, again, it's 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 significant the amount of money that it costs to write or to make these cars or overall power units and whatnot. Maybe they're just all behind the excitement of one German team, you know, with Mercedes leading the way. So they're like, we are also German. So trust us, this is fine. All that German engineering. So also the fact too that like they have an engine, they have a power unit freeze until 2025 gives them that three-year window to really be able to pump R and D money into it and to develop a competitive powertrain going forward. That would be interesting. So those are my thoughts. I don't know what everyone else thinks on that. <laughs> You're like the technical guy, so I'm kind of yeah. I'm just gonna to turn. You. I'm just gonna turn to you on some of those questions. Oh, I read. I just read too much. Yeah, reading my, is good. My lunch hours are just good. spent reading uh, F1 articles. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing wrong with that. Um, but you know, actually, you know what's so exciting is we're gonna we're going back to Australia next week. Woo! First time since 2019. Um, technically, we were there in 2020. We were there we in 2020. They just do anything. That's iconic when you think about it, though, right? That was the race in which the world kind of flipped on its head. That was the, I think here. that was I think that was the only sporting event that was planned to go ahead, and then when they got there, like, yeah, nope, nope, we're we're done. It's the, no, we're not doing this. I remember Lewis on like the interview saying, "Go like, I really don't know why we're still here." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he kind of called it. That was some foreshadowing right there. So, I actually felt bad for Valtteri's dad. So Valtteri's dad apparently flew from Finland to Australia the day before. Oh. And he literally had to turn back around to go to Finland or go home to Finland because they canceled the race, right? Oh my gosh, the man must have been a wreck. Just it would have been an absolute wreck for five days. Um, according to uh Kim Ilman, um, he's the uh, I think I've told you about him. He's the uh, photographer based out of F1 photographer based out of Australia. He said that that Sebastian Vettel got on a flight at like three in the morning, like because they were announcing, I guess, that, that that day that they're canceling. And it's just like, yeah, I'm out. Peace. Nope. Just gone. Our just guy. out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's exciting. With all seriousness, um, we're excited to be back in Australia. I mean, you know, this has been an interesting track. Mercedes has won the last couple of times. Uh, the last winner was Valtteri Bottas uh, when he was with Mercedes. Um, there's been some track changes. Mm-hmm. Some Good track changes. Good track changes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, there will have, I think, is it there? Is they're gonna have a four four DRS zones? A record-setting four DRS zones down under. I mean, crikey! I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not, right? Well, I just think it's so funny because they've been talking about getting rid of DRS because they want the sport to see more competitive, and then they've got four DRS zones on the track this week, like. It's going to, it's going to go one of two ways. They're either going to be just like all DRS all the time, (laughs) or they're going to get rid of it entirely, but it'll be interesting to see because that's just an absurd number to me. I don't know. But the DRS zones look very short. Kind of like it reminds me of Budapest when they have like that, they have that one detection zone and then they have like it on the main straight. And then as they turn, they have it going towards uh, turn three, I guess. 
It's like what you DRS for like three seconds and then that's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I'm I'm pumped. That should, should be a lot of fun watching them roam around in four DRS zones. I think it'll be super exciting if we've got another battle between Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen, kind of like we had with the DRS zones the last two weeks where they're playing this like DRS chicken to see who gets an advantage kind of going in into a corner at the end of a straight just to like pull away for the rest of the lap. So um, I think, you know, there's going to be some very exciting stuff happening based on those last two weeks, especially if we've got four of these zones, it's going to, I don't, I don't think people will be going super fast if they're playing DRS chicken all the time like that, but I think it'll be an entertaining race in that regard. Yeah, I think on the fantasy point, I think if you have to put your money on it, if Ferrari and Red Bull look probably look like the more competitive teams going forward, you know, I think there's going to be an outlier on Mercedes. I'm curious because I think I read that they're doing they did some upgrades to their their car in the last week and a half. So you, you never know what they could bring back back down to Australia. Um, also, we're, it's it's going to be nice to see Sebastian Vettel back in the car. We missed him dearly, and happy he's fully recovered. Um, you can use him at Aston Martin. <laughs> yeah. Try to enhance our competitiveness overall. Just some forehead rubs on that one. Lots of jelly beans. But so I guess like the the two main upgrades that Mercedes are going to bring is going to bring less body work on the rear wing. So pretty much a new rear wing. Because you can tell when you look at like the rear wing compared to like, um, you know, the Red Bull, that bottom flat plate there's a lot of body work there on a Mercedes wing than there is compared to a Red Bull wing. So there's that. And I think they might redesign the floor because they've been having some of the worst porpoising issues of anybody on the grid. So who knows? They get it right or they get it wrong. <laughs> we won't know until Saturday. Yeah. I think that'll be interesting because especially kind of looking at this circuit with like the the map up here in front of me, some of the turns here for some of the cars that have struggled either with porpoising or like downforce and stuff, there's a, enough, I think, work going on here that, you know, they're, they're going to have to get that under control in order to make the most of the track. So um, I think that'll be interesting. I'm excited to see kind of like what Alpine's up to because they've been looking pretty good so far this season. And, you know, if Mercedes gets it wrong, are they going to be putting the pressure on like they were uh, in Jeddah to, to be kind of competitive and racy there. So, um, and also who knows, maybe McLaren made some more improvements and instead of Lando kind of being around P7, maybe he'll be like P4, P5. And I don't yeah, know, they I, weren't I th purposing before because they didn't have enough downforce to purpose. So. <laughs> Well, they need a lot of downforce here at Alba Park. I think it's more downforce than they needed at Jetta. So again, but yep. two weeks, we, have, we haven't seen them in two weeks, right? So who knows what the upgrades are? That's the best part about the season is that with regulations being strict, but as kind of like everyone taking their own terms of definition into it, like the upgrades can either be really good or really bad. Well, yeah, and also, and I also think, like, especially since the drivers have not been to this track in three years, um, I think anything can happen in Australia. So this is what's going to make uh, Sunday so exciting. And well, yeah, Sunday morning. Happen. Oh, sorry, yeah. Can like a 1 a.m. 
I got to love all the European fans complaining about how they have to. Oh get God, up here at we 7 go. O'clock in the <laughs> for the damn race. Yeah. Welcome to our life in Canada where you have to get up at 7 a.m., 8 a.m. every damn time. Yeah. It's shut up. Jeez. Yeah. yeah think <laughs> we actually have to watch a race at 1 a.m. on a Sunday now. Like, and we're, and you know, it's one thing if it's 1 a.m. and you're European, that's fine. Cause typically on a Saturday night, you're probably out at that time anyway. But guess what? I am an introvert and I don't like it. I don't want it. I hate it. But guess what? You know what? I'm probably going to do it anyway. I'm probably going to stay up and watch the race live. So welcome well, to my nightmare. Well, maybe if you're at a bar, just like tell tell the DJ, just be like, listen, you know, music's bumping, but have you heard about this Australian Grand Prix? Like last close is going to happen young. before qualification. Like, just put that, like, I'm going to be at a bar and last call is going to happen. I have to rip it home so I can watch it till three. Why does it have to be an afternoon race, FIA? Because they don't have adequate lighting there. I get it. Somebody got some explaining to do. On that note, uh, this has been a very fun episode. Uh, I think we... We're actually like, yeah, you could tell we were excited to go back into racing, uh, even though I think there's still another week break after this or oh, two week what? break. Yeah, there's so. another two week, but let's not talk about let's not talk about it. Okay, we will we'll, we'll, we'll worry about that when we get there. Um, so, uh, as, as mentioned, this is Richie, and thank you guys so much for all the support you've provided us, uh, so far and continuing. Um, you know, Australia is gonna be fun and, uh, I'm not going to be at the next episode, so I'm going to be away for a bit. So Andrew and Erica will take the take the helm of the ship, I think is the term, and cover the Australian Grand Prix next week. And we will try to upload it, I think the 16th, but we're gonna I'm gonna try to upload this episode tomorrow. So yeah, I will make note of that in, in the comment section. But yeah, anyways, um, on that note, so I think enjoy I just your that. holiday, Richie. Yes, very much excited. Yeah, who's this guy all fancy taking vacations and stuff? Jeez, who do you think you are? The Queen of England? No. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to say anything because I'm taking a vacation during round four. So. But you are you just came out of busy season. So. Fair. <laughs> but yeah, we'll go with that. Cool. Thanks so, mu- thanks so much for watching this week's episode. <laughs> I think, guys, I'm going to be quite honest. This has been my favorite episode so far. It's just one train wreck after another. It's great. (laughs) And it's only Tuesday. (laughs) Okay. So on that note, uh, thanks so much for listening to uh, this week's episode. My name is Richie. Obviously my two awesome co-hosts, Andrew and Erica, make sure to follow us on Instagram, uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, and subscribe to us on YouTube and also subscribe to all of all, all the channels too. Um, Andrew, take us off. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit that subscribe and like button on YouTube. Hit that follow button on Apple Podcasts and hit that follow button on Spotify. Hit the button harder than they'll be hitting the DRS zone buttons this weekend. And (laughs) down and down. Good night. Good night. Good night.